Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Hey, food bloggers. I want you to know that I myself am a food blogger, so I understand the need to find those connections and find the answers and create transformations in my business that are actually going to matter and help me to grow and make more money and get more traffic and all of the good things. If you are interested in this too, which you probably are, please consider joining our mastermind groups, which are starting up in the fall of 2021. Go to eblogtalk.com to find the application. There's a button there that says join a mastermind group. That will bring you to an application that will determine whether or not you are a good fit for these groups. As Napoleon Hill, the author of Think and Grow Rich says about the mastermind principle, two or more people actively engaged in the pursuit of a definite purpose with a positive mental attitude constitute an unbeatable force. Unbeatable force. You can't argue with that. Weekly Zoom calls will have the format of peer-to-peer learning with members taking turns being in the hot seat. And once a month, we will invite in guest experts who will unleash their knowledge about very specific topics relating to food blogging and relating to ways that you can grow your business in a big way. We convene every single week where we share our struggles, our wins, and we can shine and lift each other up and provide resources and input that will help the other members in the group to grow their businesses and grow as individuals as well. Again, go to eatblogtalk.com to fill out an application to see if you're a great fit for the mastermind groups. Hey, food bloggers, welcome to another episode of Eat Blog Talk. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I have Leanne Walker with me from foodiedigital.com, and we're going to chat about the difference between food blog SEO and recipe SEO. Leanne is a mom of three. She's a committed meal planner, also a wannabe saucier chef, a seasoned systems analyst and content strategist, and managing director of Foodie Digital. Leanne, I am so excited to talk about this. I think it's something that food bloggers will just um, benefit from knowing the difference between food blog SEO and recipe SEO. They're, they sound very similar, but I, I definitely think this will be a beneficial chat. But before we dive into it, we all want to hear your fun fact. Um, hi, Megan. Thank you so much for having me on today. So my fun fact is, as you mentioned, I have three kids. Um, they are eight, six, and four, and they all have different hair color. So one is red, one is blonde, and the little sky is a brunette. So I have my very own Neapolitan rainbow at home. <laughs> I love that so much for some reason. Do you ever get questioned? Like, do people ever question you? Like, I don't know what they would say, but... Do people ever point that out, I guess, in public? All the time. And people, even at school, sometimes when they learn that, you know, my my oldest, my my middle are brother and sister, they're shocked because they really don't look alike at all. Um, so they're so surprised to find out that they are siblings. Um, but yes, people comment it all, on, on it all the time because it really is uh, quite unique. And I'm a brunette myself, so I have zero idea where the red and the blonde <laughs> That's so great. I love it. I love your Neapolitan thing too. 
Um, okay, so switching gears drastically from that super fun fact, you are here to talk about food blog SEO and recipe SEO and how those two are very different things. And I guess I would just love it if you started out by defining each. And can you just talk us through the differences? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, it's really easy to assume that food blog SEO and recipe SEO are one and the same. Um, But they really are very different. And understanding exactly how they are different is key to maximizing the success of your food blog. And of course, we educate our community members about this all the time. But I'm super thrilled to be able to be talking to you about it today and and sharing this information with the broader food blogging community too. So let's start with food blog SEO. So the goal with food blog SEO is to have posts appear on the first page of Google's search results over time. So it's it's the typical process of publishing and then editing and repairing and improving the content in a post. So it's food blog SEO is typically powered by high quality content, um, strong user signals, such as time on page and pages for session. Um, and of course, making sure your post satisfi- satisfies search intent, which is critically important in recipes. And that you know looks like uh, time, prep time, uh, cook time, cooking method, etc. So um, food blog SEO leans on tools, common tool like Yoast SEO to power what actually displays in Google's search results. So if if you've ever, you know, gone into Yoast and the plugin in the back end of WordPress and edited your SEO title or your meta description, then you've also worked on improving food blog SEO, your food blog SEO. Now, of course, there are other really important influences that come into play when we talk about food blog SEO that it's important to, to be aware of. Um, of course, site speed matters a great deal. Core Web Vitals, particularly right now, um, internal linking and link building are all factors that also influence food blog SEO. Okay, so um, by contrast, recipe SEO. So the goal with recipe SEO, the primary goal, I should say, is to convert traffic and earn click-throughs. Okay, recipe SEO is all about recipe structured data, which is auto-generated from a WordPress recipe card plugin. So it's a structured data that's built into your recipe card plugin, and it's a standardized format that provides helpful info um, and explicit recipe information to Google. Um, and so it's these fields, which are called recipe metadata fields that make up a recipe's structured data. And Google uses that information to learn more about you, your expertise, and of course, your recipe. Um, so that is, the, in summary, that is um, the difference between those those two things. And when you really understand um, how uh, to use each to your advantage, that's when you can really start to seize opportunities that uh, already exist in your post library. Um, and also you can be a lot more strategic with your time and your effort as well. <laughs> Okay, I think that helps a ton. So really, you do have to keep your eye on both. You have to understand both and like really understand, first of all, the differences, but like what goes into each, what you need to do for each. But then you can use them kind of together, right? So it's not something that we're, as food bloggers, needing to do separately. We need to understand each of them. Absolutely. So food blog SEO is what I would say the vast majority of um, you know our community and the larger um, food blogging community understands and knows as SEO. 
Um, but it's recipe SEO that I think is really overlooked. Um, and when we start to actually separate recipe SEO out and use it as a tool to earn click-throughs and conversions, that's when we can really make a, a positive impact on our traffic. And, you know, um, what we observed when new members were joining our community, you know, a while ago now, several, you know, we've we've been around for um, about 18 months. Um, but we really observed that um, for the most part, new members and existing community men members understood how to use Yoast. The vast majority of them, you know, were doing some light keyword research. Um, you know, they had posts already on Google search page, et cetera, perhaps at the top of Google's second page. But a lot of them had, uh, you know, technical breakdowns when it came to their recipe card plugin. Um, perhaps they weren't using a contemporary enough tool. I mean, this space has, has shifted a lot in the last several years and become much more technical. And so the gaps and sort of the pain points that we observed when we were auditing sites as they come into our community, um, really the vast majority of the, the pain points existed with recipe SEO. Um, and so for us, we noticed it was a real opportunity that we could um, help that community member seize um, and begin to use their to, to their advantage. But of course, we had to do some technical cleanup before we could get there. Do you have recommendations for recipe card plugins that you recommend using or like a handful of them? Um, great question. So we're pretty agnostic here when it comes to recipe card plugins. Uh, you know, we've seen the gamut in our community, but um, approximately 75% of the foodie digital community does use WP Recipe Maker. Um, and I would say the balance uh, uses Tasty Recipes. Those are the two tools that we see uh, used most frequently. And when we are migrating a new community member away from an existing tool that they have that is outdated and, and no longer serving them, um, the vast majority of the time we are migrating them to WP Recipe Maker. Do you have any recommendations about just little ways to use a card, um, a recipe plugin like WP Recipe Maker, in addition to what is obvious? Like, I know I've recently received little tidbits about like how to use, um, I'm, I hope I said this right, is it like the keywords section inside of there or like little things like that? Do you have any little tips for us? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when a new member joins Foodie Digital, we actually do a recipe card plug on audit. I think we're literally the only group out there that, that you know, combs through the configuration of the tool. Um, and also the use of the tool when publishing posts. And I can tell you, Megan, we've never seen a recipe card plugin configured correctly coming into the community. And and really, I think it is people that are so excited, they just get to publishing. Um, and they don't necessarily um, stop to, to make sure that the configuration of that tool is set up to actually suit their content strategy. So, um, you know, speaking about WP Recipe Maker um, in particular... Um, and actually, this same goes here for Tasty, but there are so many authorship opportunities in both of those tools that are never seized. Um, and of course, EAT, I know we're not talking about EAT today, but EAT as a concept, which is expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness, matters a great deal today. And so um, ensuring that you have your recipe card plugin correctly set up to ensure that your authorship, you know, your first and last name and your organization name is set up correctly matters a great deal. I recognize that's very under the hood type stuff that shows up in, in recipe schema. Um, but I'd say that's probably one of the, the biggest opportunities that we find when we do our re recipe card plugin audits. The other one 
And, uh, you know, I'm on a, I always joke that I'm on a personal mission to make sure the entire recipe web is no follow compliant, but, um, no follow compliance matters a great deal, uh, online today. And that means ensuring that you are adding no follow attribute to very specific links on your site. And of course, one of the reasons we love, uh, WP recipe maker is you can actually set a lot of the external links in your recipe cart to be no follow by default. So, you know, just in case sometimes you're quickly working on a post um, and you don't remember, you know, to add that no follow attribute by ensuring that the tool is configured correctly from the outset, you're kind of setting yourself up to be successful and hedging yourself against, you know, possibly forgetting to do it uh, the moment you publish a post. Interesting. Okay. Those were both really interesting and not what I was expecting. So thank you for sharing those. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Like there's a lot of education to be had in this realm because what you said is so true. I came from Squarespace a handful of years ago and I was just so excited at the concept of having a recipe card because for so many years I did not. I had to create like I wrote my own code, which is ridiculous that I went to those links for years. I did this. And then when I came to WordPress, I was like, oh, my gosh, there's a card here. I can actually just like put in the ingredients and the instructions. And I was so excited about that, that I did not give anything, any thought, nothing. I just, I was so thrilled. <laughs> so I agree with you. I think it's like something that we definitely overlook. And clearly there are details that we need to be thinking through. So can you tell us, Leanne, a little bit about Foodie Digital? Because I know you feel really passionately about your community. What do you offer this community? How do you help food bloggers? And maybe just tell us like how you got started. I'm curious to hear that story as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I can't start the story without a mention of uh, Carla Ulrich, who is our technical director. And I describe her really as my co-striver in the creation of the foodie digital community. And, you know, we've been at it for a little while now. So it's always it's always fun to go back and sort of talk about how we got started. So Carla and I have actually worked together on and off um, uh, for about 12 years or so. And I have always she's she's a, a web developer and I've always just respected Carla's opinion so much. She's so thorough. She's just, she's really exceptional. And um, I was working on a contract. This is, this is many moons ago now, but I was working on a contract and I was, um, it was uh, focused on nutrition. And, um, and this was work, I was doing the work as, as an analyst. And my scope of work was to go and study um, a lot of what was out there on the food web. And so in the course of my research, I quickly came to realize that, you know, I was looking at a lot of recipe sites, some big, some small, um, and I realized a lot of stuff was really broken. Um, you know, whether it was, um, you know, site speed, um, some of the sites were loading very, very, very slowly. Um, we're talking about broken links. We're talking about issues with just getting your recipes discovered. I mean, I was shocked, actually, at just how much was broken. And so I started kind of just doing some research and, you know, looking to see what kind of content was out there to actually support, you know, food publishers and recipe developers. And, and there was a lot, you know, there was a lot of info out there. Um, and so I was kind of confused as to why there, why I was seeing, uh, you know, so many, um, so many errors. So I actually turned to Carla and I, I sent her a note one night and I said, Hey, um, you know, here's what I'm working on. Here's what I'm seeing. 
Um, am I crazy? Like, why is it? Why does this gap exist? And I think I maybe sent it to her on a Friday night. Um, and she was like, Oh, I'll, I'll have a look. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll flip you a note back next week. And by like Saturday morning, she was like, this is wild. Why are there so many gaps? Oh my goodness. Our skill sets would serve this space so well. Um, and she's like, I'm in. <laughs> and I was, I was so pleased and so surprised. Um, but you know, I really trust Carla and I knew that if she was seeing what I was seeing and, and we both have very different backgrounds. Um, you know, I was looking at it really from that sort of content perspective and she was looking at it from the technical perspective. And if we were both seeing those gaps, we thought, okay, there's something here. So, um, you know, we both have kids and we both at the time were working on different contracts, but we decided together to run a proof of concept group um, and to see and to just sort of listen to food content creators and recipe developers and actually hear firsthand what they were experiencing, you know, their pain points. So we recruited um, 12 food content creators. We worked with them for free for nine months and we used our skills and our background and our expertise to really support them and strengthen what they were doing. And, and really the only exchange was um, we just wanted to listen to them and, and hear their problems and um, hear what people on the ground actually ran into every day, the problems they ran into every day. And so we learned so much during the course of that proof of concept. It has informed so much of what we do in the community today, which is to actually listen to the people who are creating the content and the real life problems that they're having. Um, and their their individual circumstances. And we decided to take that proof of concept and launch. <laughs> so we came up with the name Foodie Digital, literally standing in my kitchen with my husband. Um, bought the domain from a super nice gal down south um, uh, in the southern United States. And um, we just started. And I should should share too, you know, for the first real nine months of Foodie Digital's existence, both Carl and I were working on other contracts still. So it has only really been our sort of full-time focus for about the last year. Um, but I'm so grateful for those early days and those proof of concept participants because they were so real and so open, so trusting. Um, and a lot of them were testing concepts with us, you know, that, that really hadn't been proven yet. Um, and so they're very brave. Um, and, you know, that's their life's work. So I really um, am so grateful for those women who took part. Um, but I mean, it's it's been a sprint ever since. <laughs> We're growing very quickly. Um, and I think it really boils down to the fact that we actually listen to people. Um, and we, we also take the approach where we don't just audit and then give you um, a big long list of audit findings. I mean, we do do that when, when you onboard. But we have the approach where we, we do guided implementation, which means we actually help you implement those audit findings. And some of them might, you know, we task to you, that member, um, because it's well within your skill and competency to do that. But some of them are a lot more technical and require the skill of a, perhaps a very seasoned developer. And, and we will do those things uh, on your behalf. And, and a lot of that pertains to, uh, you know, core of vitals and site speed and performance. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's been an incredible year. Um, our team who supports the community has also grown very quickly, which is really exciting. Um, but uh, sometimes I'm I'm 
so impressed that we've reached, um, you know, this this point. But really, it's all because of the openness that our community members um, come to us with, and they're really seeking support and help. Um, and it feels great to be able to use our skills to help them to ex- execute, you know, on on the work that they want to complete. And it sounds like it's also great that you guys actually listen. I think that's something that uh, we can all learn from when it comes to whatever, whoever our audience might be, whether it's a food blog audience or somebody else. Um, like listening, right? That is the key. We we ask the questions, but then we actually have to listen to what people are saying and deliver that. And I think it sounds like you guys have done that really well. Well, and what we've observed um, over the last year really is there's a lot of concepts in SEO. You know, we hear from people all the time. They say they feel like they're drinking from the fire hose. Um, And it's so true. I mean, there are so many concepts. And in theory, they great. They all sound great, you know, written in a post or in an article. But what we observe is when it comes to applying that concept in your own individual circumstance at home alone, you know, behind your computer, um, that's where things break down, right? That's where um, we come in. And that's where we really help people actually apply the concept in their own individual circumstance. And that makes all the difference because then, you know, our community members report, they, they save time, They don't get lost going down YouTube rabbit holes. They don't feel like they're banging their head against the wall because, you know, they know this is the concept that they're supposed to be applying, but they can't uh, figure out how to make it work in their own content. And so um, that's where we step in and we really help people um, through guided implementation, actually, you know, take that concept. We, We listen to what they're experiencing in their own environment and in their own site and their own content. And then we help them execute on that. And we got through a, a wide range of ways that, um, you know, we do a lot of video tutorials um, in individual sites for, for community members here, just to not only, you know, help them to understand the purpose of the concept, but also the why behind it. Um, that's really important because if you don't know the why, um, the motivation isn't going to be there to actually, you know, complete the task successfully. I absolutely love this concept of not only delivering SEO um, value that pertains to you as an individual blogger, but guiding, helping you to guide, to guide you through it because of so many of us have received SEO audits in the past, but then it's like, here is your list of things to do, you know, and there are, um, SEO auditors who are very, very gracious and like reach out to me if you have questions and that sort of thing, but it does seem more one size fits all. You know what I mean? Like you guys seem like you're doing very individualized assessments, whereas I feel like it's really been kind of put on us that it is a one size fits all topic and it really is not correct. Absolutely. Completely correct. Um, I mean, when I hear about the concepts and the theories and everything, I'm like, yes, I'm bought in. I'm into it. But not every single one of those concepts and theories actually applies to you in your individual content strategy. And so it's really about determining, you know, what we're, what's going to work for you, what's a priority for you, um, and then allocating the time and effort beh- behind your highest impact opportunities. So, Megan, I mean, at this point, we've done so many onboarding audits. And I mean, um, we do a series of seven audits when a new member joins and they are listed on our site. So I won't itemize them here. But 
we've done so many audits at this point and no two have ever come out the same. Oh, so interesting to hear that. We certainly see patterns. There's no doubt about it. There are some, some, some things we do see on a recurring basis. Um, but no two have ever come out the same. And that's because everyone's tool stack is different, meaning, you know, uh, the tools they're using, the plugins they're using, um, everybody, the size of your library and the size of your index is different. Um, you know, the images are different. Like there's so many variables um, that it really does take an individualized approach. And um, I should also say everyone's subject matter area of expertise is different. And so, you know, seizing opportunities that align with your subject matter expertise, uh, subject matter area of expertise also matters a great deal. And I think we managed to do a lot of that big picture and concepting and theory stuff really well here at Foodie Digital. But then we also deliver, um, meaning that we do also take that individualized approach. And for the most part, you know, people report back to us that, yes, results are Results matter a great deal. There's no doubt about it. But, um, you know, they get a better night's sleep. <laughs> they have more peace of mind. Um, and they also feel like they can cut out the noise. Um, you know, the people report they, like, leave Facebook groups and they, you know, do all these sorts of things just to kind of trim down on the noise. Because, um, you know, when you when you know what your priorities are and you've got a plan in place to execute on them, um, you can really cut out a lot of those distractions that frankly really don't apply to you in your individual circumstance. Oh, I'm all about cutting down on the noise. I actually wrote that down and circled it because that is this is such a noisy space, as you know, and we can get so sidetracked by all of the information coming from Facebook groups and email lists that we're on. And oh my gosh, I could go on and on and on. So I can see where this is very, very valuable for people. If people are interested in becoming a part of your community, do you have information for them, where they can go, what they can expect, that sort of thing? Um, absolutely. So we, you can visit our site, foodiedigital.com. And we also do some light education on Instagram. So we're at, at digital uh, there we do have a wait list at the moment but you know a listener is more than welcome to join the wait list um, and for us you know we really start educating on that day that uh, a new member joins and new members join at foodie digital on the first of each month we do cap the cohort start size um, each month and that is really to do two things for two reasons um, we want to make sure that new members who join, you know, on August 1 or September 1 are getting the exact same quality and thoroughness of, of onboarding audits that, you know, our very first, you know, few members got, uh, you know, more than a year ago now. Um, but also we want to maintain the same level of exceptional service for existing community members. So we don't want them to feel, you know, the impact of the growth. We want them to benefit. Uh, from the growth. And, and that's meaning that, um, you know, as new member joins, we learn more and more and more and more that we can share with the broader community. So um, we're, we're quite intentional about our pace of growth, which is why we do have um, that wait list uh, in place at the moment. But those are probably the two, two best places to, um, to connect with us. So we've touched on this a little bit, but how important is it, do you think, for food bloggers to really dig into both sides of the of SEO? So food blog and recipe SEO. Is it something that should definitely be on our radar? Is it like a B-list priority? How important is this? 
Okay, great question. Um, I think focusing on recipe SEO is the single largest opportunity that the vast majority of food bloggers have available to them and right in front of them. So um, let's kind of, let's look at a, a scenario um, that I think comes up a lot in food blogging to sort of unpack um, just the power that, that focusing on recipe SEO can have. So I'm sure you've heard this, Megan, but you know, there's this arbitrary rule in food blogging that you shouldn't touch perform top performing posts, you know, like don't even look at the direction, don't sneeze on them, <laughs> them don't, you know, um, and we just simply don't subscribe to that at Foodie Digital. So instead, we encourage our community members and, and they do this with our help and support, of course, but we encourage our community members to actually make data driven decisions. So this means you should study your top performing posts closely and regularly, okay? And so, sure, if a top post is of yours is already in the featured recipe results and it's consistently earning good quality star ratings and, um, yeah, you know, simply monitor that post, make sure you're responding to reader comments, blog comments, um, but you really want to keep an eye on it. Um, reason is this space is a lot more competitive, today than it was a handful of years ago and there's a lot of people coming up and so at that point it's not just about you know having a top traffic generator it's about maintaining that top traffic generating position those are two very different things and there's different ways to to do both of those um Another maybe, you know, uh, of course, we want to think through all, all the um, all the scenarios, but maybe if, if it's only if you're if it is your only well performing post, you know, all your eggs are sort of in the basket of that top post. OK, don't monkey with it. You know, like uh, don't rock the boat if it's your one and only. Instead, you know, at that point, we would encourage you to focus on diversifying your top traffic generating posts um, so you don't just have that one top performer, but you're, you're starting to hedge yourself um, against, you know, uh, uh, any changes that could happen with that top post. And they do happen. Um, but here we actually see a lot of posts um, that do OK. Um, and I mean, we're talking like we're supporting, you know, a, a, a lot of individuals. So the scenario actually comes out, comes up frequently. Um, but we see a lot of posts that do okay, um, but that can con could convert a lot more traffic with a few small, really intentional updates that helps a post more closely match search intent. Um, and the traffic impact that can happen when a post moves from, let's say, position seven or eight on Google's first page into the featured recipe results uh, can be tremendous, okay? So featured recipe results, you know, on desktop, there's typically three, um, on mobile, sometimes there's two, sometimes there's four, um, but this is where about 75% of the clicks are actually earned, okay? 75% of the clicks are earned in posts and positions one to three. And then the balance kind of trickles out, you know, four, five, six, seven, et cetera. And so, um, you know, quite simply moving from position seven or eight up to position two, three, I mean, that can make a massive impact on your traffic quite simply as a result of conversions. Um, so I want to be clear here though, that, you know, the decision to update a top performing post needs to be really carefully considered. This is not something you should be doing willy nilly or on the fly. Um, but you know, if you're looking at your data and you're making really well researched and thoughtful updates that actually help a reader to successfully make a recipe, um, and you're being really smart and strategic about it, then it, it may be worth it. Okay. And so this is 
this is recipe SEO. Going from possibly, you know, around position seven or eight, maybe six, maybe in the top of, you know, Google's second page, getting that top, that post up to be a real top performer into position one, two, or three can make a significant impact on traffic. And what I actually did in advance of the call today, Megan, is I, I wanted to have some like use cases to share with people. And I'm not going to, um, you know, sharing names here, but um, I want to um, demonstrate, you know, the wins and I've got a couple of losses too, but I want to demonstrate, you know, some of the wins that um, Foodie Digital members have had in the last 12 months, quite simply as a result of taking a, a moderately well-performing post from, you know, positions seven, eight up into the featured recipe results. So in a single month, one of our community members by, um, you know, we have, of course, a formula that we um, use to educate our community members on how to effectively repair and update a post. But um, one of our community members who followed this formula and, and executed very well, you know, beautiful photos, excellent recipe, of course, um, increased the traffic on that one post close to 340% in a single month. Um, and that broke to close to 10,000 additional clicks. Oh, wow. From one post by beginning to focus on recipe SEO and focus on you know making smart, strategic, thoughtful improvements to the post that satisfy search intent that allow it to actually you know move up into um, the featured recipe results. Um, here's another one. And again, this is uh, improvement in a single month, but another member did the same following, you know, really um, strategic formula um, and increased the traffic for a single post um, by 170% in one month. And that resulted in close to 3,400 more clicks just for one post. You know, and we all know food bloggers have huge libraries. So this is really just a needle in a haystack. But I mean, that kind of improvement on a single post um, may make a very big deal in terms of your your bottom line traffic. We all know that the vast majority of ta traffic comes from, you know, if you're lucky, maybe two dozen posts, maybe a few more than that if you're you're really working at it. But, um, you know, just focusing on strengthening a single post can can sometimes really change things overnight. Yeah, that is, I love hearing those numbers. And you're right, like, w even if you improve one single post, that can be thousands and thousands of extra page views a month, which is a big deal. That's a huge deal. Absolutely. And of course, you know, doing it in combination with smart strategic improvements for food blog SEO as well. But when we talk about recipe SEO, we also I should make clear here that you cannot earn access to the featured recipe results without a recipe card plug in in place, right? That is what makes your post eligible for the featured recipe results. So by ensuring that, you know, your recipe card plugin is configured correctly, you're filling out all the recipe metadata fields, you're being very strategic about the title of the recipe that you're putting in the card. Um, you know, all of that actually um, is, is, you know, uh, critically important to ensuring that, you know, once that post reach, reaches the featured recipe results, um, that it actually can convert. Okay, so um, I, you know, Megan, I want to, it's always helpful, you know, this is SEO, so not everything is, is a win, right? You know, it's an ebb and flow, and I, I think it's really important for the community to hear that as well. I mean, we look at a lot of data on aggregate here, and not everybody gets those types of wins month over month over month. So, 
I think it's also important to, you know, share a couple of losses and the decrease in traffic that people have received by losing featured recipe results positions because they're not guaranteed. You know, um, we want to seek them out as much as possible, but they, they're certainly not a guarantee. And changes can happen. I mean, with the most recent um, Google algorithm update in June 2021, I mean, some foodie digital members lost some, you know, featured recipe results positions that were were big a big part of their library so, so some losses happened and I think it's important for the community overall to, to know it's a marathon not a sprint um, and that uh, you know they have to focus on on the long term here too especially you know SEO is a slow burn but let me let me summarize just just a loss two losses here for you sort of demonstrate um, just the power of of what uh, being in the featured recipe results can do. So another foodie digital member, um, this was actually this past spring, dropped out of the featured recipe results. They were in position two and they landed at the bottom of the first page um, and they lost close to 7,500 clicks in that single month just from that post. Right. Um, here's another example. Um, again, this is month over month in a single month. Um, another foodie digital member dropped out of the featured recipe results. They were in position two and they dropped down to actually, they stayed pretty competitive and they just moved down to position four. Um, but they lost close to 4,300 clicks in a single month too. And of course, you know, we're fighting to get those positions back with them and supporting those members on smart ways in which to do that. But I hope that sort of um, outlining those, those wins and those losses just really starts to get people to focus on, you know, the fact that 75%, about 75% of the clicks are earned by posts and the feature recipe results and really start to, um, you know, we call it here, you're within striking distance of the featured recipe results. Um, and we say that because we want our community members to know, like, if you move up, you know, that's that's where you're going to have a real traffic impact. Um and just just really understanding the impact of uh, that recipe SEO can have on a single post's traffic is really the message that I'm hoping to share with you and of course your listener today too. Wow, that was I loved hearing you talk through those numbers. That's really impactful, and it might seem small, but over time, that's not small. Those are big deals. Um, what do you? Okay, so I hope I don't make anyone upset here, but. I was on Squarespace for a long time. I mentioned earlier without a recipe card, <laughs> writing my own recipe cards. And that was a big deal. That impacted me very negatively. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Like if someone is really concerned about Google and their traffic and organic traffic and getting seen and ranked by Google, they kind of need to be on WordPress. Is is that the consensus? Um, well, there's a lot of members in our community who were previously on Squarespace and then switched to WordPress and then, you know, joined our community. Um, we don't actually do migrations and that sort of thing from Squarespace. A lot of people think that we do, but we don't. We're not. A, we don't build sites. We're not. Uh, you know, we're not a, a design shop. Um, but we do see a lot of people having migrated from Squarespace to WordPress who come into the community. Now, I'm thinking of one use case in particular, the switch to WordPress and finally beginning to out output recipe schema made a significant impact on their traffic. Um, granted, this was already a highly authoritative site. They had a lot of things, um, you know, working in their favor already. Um, 
but you know, quite simply, in their case, gaining access to the featured recipe results, which we've you know just been talking about, um, allowed them to earn. Like the conversions went through the roof because they were finally in the featured recipe results as a result of their switch to WordPress. And this wasn't just for a handful of posts. This was pretty pretty broad for for that community member. So, um, you know. It's not to say that that's, you can't get there with Squarespace. You're going to have to have really strategic support in place to make sure your site is very performant, you know, fast with Core Web Vitals um, being in the mix now. And you're going to want to make sure that you're working with a SEO specialist who specializes in, in Squarespace. Um, you know, we're exclusive to WordPress at Foodie Digital, and we do that for a reason. That's because we we've become you know real power users in a lot in a lot of ways. So. I don't want to totally write Squarespace off, but there is a reason that the vast majority of, of you know, food blogging sites use WordPress. And that's because the WordPress community develops, you know, super smart, outstanding tools that you as a content creator and publisher can use to your advantage to make your site more performant and to take advantage of, of you know, food blog SEO and recipe SEO. So um, it's, it's certainly our area of focus. Um, and uh, that's who, the platform that we exclusively support. But if somebody is, is, you know, it is worth it, you know, to make the change if you really want to compete today. Otherwise, I would encourage you to really seek out the, the right fit in terms of tech and SEO support to support you in your Squarespace environment. Mm, that was great advice. Very well said. Thank you for that. Um, okay. Is there anything we're missing? Do you feel like there are gaps in our chat that people, food bloggers listening need to hear before we start saying goodbye? Well, one of the things that I think is really important um, to mention uh sort of, I guess, to add to our conversation here today, Megan, is, um, you know, the concept that we've talked about, about recipe SEO and food blog SEO, I mean, recipe SEO in particular, um, we think that this education is really valuable because it it applies for, you know, big search volume, highly competitive words that, you know, the super seasoned and established food bloggers are chasing. But it also applies to lower search volume and longer tail keywords too, um, which those who are new to food blogging, the new new to the food blogging field, um, you know, should be focusing on to to gain some new traffic and traction. I mean, it applies in both cir- both circumstances. So um, if a recipe post makes it into the featured recipe results, it has a massive impact on your traffic. Regardless, if you're chasing, you know, a, a search a search term that has a hundred thousand, you know, search searches a month, or a search term that has five hundred, um, if you earn, you know, if if you're chasing something in the you know monthly search volume range of you know five hundred to seven hundred, and you get into position one you're going to convert that traffic. So that's what I really love about this concept as well, is it sort of, it, is a, it isn't just a, you know, an advanced ta- tactic that gets shared with, you know, um, these big, uh, you know, big traffic sites in the recipe niche. I mean, it really applies to all because you apply it in your own individual circumstance. Oh, I love how you said that. I think that will resonate with a lot of people. Oh, this has been great. This has been a very eye-opening conversation. And I'm going to be looking at my recipe cards in a new light for sure. So thank you for all of this, Leanne. This was super valuable. And thank you for your time today. 
Of course, Megan, thank you so much for having me. And um, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I mean, I I love talking about this stuff and sort of um, making it feel really digestible and approachable. Um, you know, people come to us all the time um, feeling really overwhelmed. They don't know where to start. Um, you know, all this sort of stuff. And, and really, um, you know, one of the things that gets me most excited and gets the team at Foodie Digital most excited is, is actually supporting people in a way that, you know, meets their needs um, and makes their workday more enjoyable. Um, and of course, like I said, results matter a great deal. But um, so does so, so does feeling, you know, really great about the work that you're putting out and um, feeling like the time and effort that you're putting into, you know, the content you're creating is actually paying off. Um, so thank you so much for having me. And uh, maybe we can talk again. Oh my gosh, that would be great. I would love that. This has been such a pleasure. Before you go, though, we do want to hear if you have a favorite quote or words of inspiration to share with food bloggers. Oh, um, well, you know, I don't know how well this will apply to food bloggers, but the um, I know the team at Foodie Digital hears me say this um, all the time. Um, my favorite quote is, nothing will make you feel better except doing the work. Um, I, I'm a Virgo and I'm a yes person also, which means, um, you know, I take on a lot. And of course, I've got three kiddos at home and they're still pretty little. So, you know, they, they require a lot of attention. Um, and sometimes you know, the, the to-do list or you know the, the list of tickets in front of me to review for the community, it can get pretty long. Um, and so I always sort of um, settle into that quote, nothing will make me feel better except doing the work. And, and that really means you know, taking things one at a time um, and just working on each task really thoroughly and really effectively and ensuring I'm educating our team, uh, you know, well in each thing. And, and that gives me a little bit of peace as, you know, as the community grows and as, as the work becomes more and more and more each day, um, I feel uh, great peace in that. It also makes me feel like, you know, I, I want to be able to say yes to a lot of things. And so um, it makes me feel like I can still say yes <laughs> um, and have the confidence that I can actually get through that, that to-do list as well. Mm, I actually love that. That's great. And I think it does very much apply to food bloggers. So thank you for sharing that. We are going to put together a show notes page for you, Leanne. So if anyone wants to go peek at those, you can find them at eatblogtalk.com forward slash foodie digital. And you talked us through earlier where to find you, um, foodiedigital.com. Are you on Instagram? Where else can people find you, Leanne? Yeah, our handle is at Foodie Digital on Instagram, and we do do some light educating there. And actually, Megan, I should add, we actually drafted a post, a blog post to support this conversation today to kind of like outline the concept uh, of food blog SEO versus recipe SEO for the community. So we do have a blog post on our site um, specifically dedicated to this subject matter so people can go have a look and have a read there um and um you know connect with us on instagram there's always you know lots of um great little tidbits that the team prepares and shares there and while we maybe don't get into the, like you know technical nitty-gritty on instagram that's not really the forum for it i mean it's a really lovely positive community um and if we can help you know educate there to uh that helps people sort of conserve time and, and know what to focus on a little bit more um we're happy to help awesome well thank you for all of that and i'm excited for people to check you out and just have the food blog seo versus 
recipe blo- or recipe SEO on their radar so that they know what they're digging into. So thank you again for all of this, Leanne. It's been a pleasure. And thank you so much for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.